Matthew chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus to each one of us, beginning at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how that they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, we thank you and praise you for the word of God, the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, for these moments that we have remaining together, speak to our hearts. Let us pull up to the banqueting table of the master and hear what it is that the spirit of God wants to communicate to the church. We thank you and we praise you and we bless you for all these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you let our music department know and our band how much you appreciate them today? God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Is there really is there really a cure for worry? Is there really a cure for worry? Verse 25, verse 28, verse 31, and verse 34, Jesus said these words, take no thought. Translated, that means don't worry. It's a subject we're all too familiar with, the subject of worry. Worry affects every single soul present been living for a few years as I have, every so often things come along and attempts are made to help us relax and not to worry so much. Music written and songs to help us. It was 1988, 
It was Bobby McFerrin that would write the first a cappella song to make it to the top of the charts. Take a listen. Anybody remember that? We reveled in that until about 1994, about six years. And then there was a beloved Maricat and Warthog and a lion cub that sang this Swahili best song of the 1995 Academy Awards. New lesson. Repeat after me. <coughs> Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no peasant craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's the motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? <laughs> you know, kid, these two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Anybody remember that? Hakuna Matata. No worries. But 2,000 years before either one of those, Jesus said it four times. Don't worry. Worry is defined as that mental distress or agitation that results from concern usually for something is impending or anticipated. Something's coming up. Something is around the corner. Something's on my mind about a future event or circumstance. Every person listening in person, online, has to fend off worry. And then in the life of a child of God, questions arise. Because I personally believe that there's been some erroneous teaching over the years. People ask the question, is worry wrong? Is worry a sin? Is there a difference between worry and concern? Let me ask, what are you worrying about today? The economy? Employment? Fidelity of your spouse? Aging parents and how to care for them? The end of the world? Your education? your children's safety, 
and the choices that they make. How to pay your bills. COVID has brought a lot of worry to people's hearts over the last two and a half years. The list can be inexhaustible if you allow it to be. But it has been documented that worry is a plague that can destroy you physically. Worry can contribute to heart attacks and high blood pressure and stomach disorders, mental illnesses, and the list goes on. Worry can and will shorten your life if it's not handled appropriately. It's safe to say that every person in the room online is worried about something or someone. Let me tell you some things we worry about, some categories. <clears throat> First of all, I, I'd say we worry about ourselves. We're never satisfied with who we are. We worry because we are tall. We worry because we are short. We worry because we're too heavy. We worry because we're too thin. We worry because we're too brunette. We worry because we're too blonde. We worry because we have gray hairs, and yet some in the room wish they did worry about gray hairs. They just worry to keep the hair that they have. We worry about our biceps being as big as Joe's down the street. We worry about what we are going to wear on a given day. One basketball coach said it like this. He said, everybody's worried about the economy this year. And then he went on to say, my hairline is in recession, my waistline is in inflation, and altogether I'm in depression. I have watched over the years, I, 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 I tell you the truth, I have watched over the years beautiful people, and they worship that sun every summer till their skin was so dark and became tough as a horse's saddle, and then they turn around and spend money on cosmetics to lighten their skin from the tan they worked so hard to get. I still haven't figured that out yet. Let's face it today. We worry about ourselves. There is a vacuum effect that comes from cosmopolitan covers to Peloton commercials to quick weight loss gimmicks all to satisfy a desire to improve who we are. Now let me emphasize and clarify that this temple, this tabernacle, this tent belongs to God. And each and every one of us are responsible to take care of the temple. But let me also say to you, we cannot become more consumed with who we are rather than who He is. Jesus said those wild-filled lilies are as glorious as the most elegant and decorated queen or king on their throne. And they enjoy their life free from worry and, and care. And, and to think that the heavenly Father who clothes the lilies would leave our, our, his own children naked is shameful. I just don't believe God wants us to worry about ourselves near as much as we do. This is going to sound a little bit morbid this morning, but let's deal with reality. If they dig up our bodies in five years, you won't be able to tell who the prettiest was, who the leanest was, who the most affluent was. They may be able to tell us who had the best set of teeth. 
Now, am I not telling the truth this morning? Just as the beauty of the lily fades, just as the colors of the butterfly perish, just as the feather spread of the peacock falls out, our earthly body is temporary. Take care of it, yes, but don't become consumed and worried. Let your pastor remind you. More importantly, let the Word remind you, you are and were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And while he said all of creation, was good when he made you he said it was very good somebody give the Lord praise you are beautiful to heaven just as you are and I just sense today and it's my prayer it was my prayer coming into this service this morning that someone would walk out of here with a breakthrough and a, and a breakout and a, and a break away from worry there's some of you sitting in this room, you haven't enjoyed a day, much less a labor day in years because worry has, has consumed you. Once you get done worrying about this, you're worrying about that. But I believe God, through his word and through his spirit, is going to enable somebody, empower somebody to lay down their worry and enjoy not just labor day, but enjoy every day and truly rest not just from physical labor, but from also the mental stress that the enemy tries to weigh us down with as we live in a constant state of worry. We worry. We worry about ourselves. But we don't just worry about ourselves. We worry about provision. We're worried about provision. But let me ask you, have you ever observed a bird long enough that plants seeds have you ever observed a bird that comes back and watches the seed grow? And then we'll come back and, and, and then we'll gather of the seed later? It does not happen with the birds of the air. Those little creatures, they chase one another flittering around. And yet they're so much at peace and they neither plant or reap or gather into the barns. But the Bible says your heavenly Father feeds them, takes care of them. I'll tell you a little story that's going on in our home. My mother-in-law has taken on the hobby of hummingbirds. Well, you know, I, I love the front porch. I sit on the front porch a lot, hours at a time. I, I, I thought, well, that will be something nice to watch. So she gets as a gift these two hummingbird feeders, red and clear-looking things. And every few days, she changes out sugar water. That is all they eat. There's five holes around two red jars, and they just hang there for these little guys to stick their pointed beaks in and get some sugar water, H2O and carbs, and that is it. That's all they get. It explains a lot. I'll get to that in a minute. There's 10 holes, 10 holes on two jars for these guys to stick their little beaks in for 10 hummingbirds. Little guys about the size of your pinky finger. They've got red bands around their neck, and they've got green bands around their neck, and they've got white bands around their neck. And my thought is we, we will have a community of these little guys, and we can juice them up, and all will be well, and we will watch them feed peaceably. peacefully. Are you kidding me? These things scrap and fight 
and when one gets up there to get a little sugar water, then comes that white-banded one and chases the other one away. I told you there's ten holes to feed out of. They are not Christian hummingbirds, I promise you. It is not a peaceful and serene experience. It's a bunch of miniature devils that need Jesus in their hearts. And sometimes I sit there, and I'm on, the, I'm on my rocking chair, my Cracker Barrel rocking chair, and I feel bad because the red-banded hummingbird and the green-banded hummingbird always gets chased away so the white-banded bird can hog up all the sugar water. But the other day as I was sitting there, and I've been witnessing this for several weeks now, I guess something good came out of it, a revelation. I remembered that around the corner, two houses up, is my neighbor that also has a hummingbird feeder. You say, well, what are you trying to tell us, preacher? I'm not saying anything to you. But God is saying something to you. And what God is saying is, is that he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. What God is saying to you from his word today is that he will furnish a table in the wilderness. What God is saying to somebody online or in the house is that he will always supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What I'm saying to you is that if you feel like somebody is snuffing you out from your bird feeder, just hold on. There's another bird feeder around the corner. Just hold on. There's another avenue of provision. God will never let you down. That's why the psalmist said, I have been young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, neither his seed begging for bread. God will take care of you. It's time to lay down your worry and trust in the Lord. There's always provision in the Father's house. If He gave you life, He will sustain your life. He cares about all of your needs. And when you're a child of God, you're not subject to man's economy. You're subject to God's economy. <laughs> let Pennsylvania Avenue fall apart. Let Main Street fall apart. Let Wall Street fall apart. But you're a child of God. And you have built your faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the storms come and the winds blow. Let there be howling all around you, but you are secure because on Christ the solid rock I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. It may fall apart tomorrow, but I'm not looking to the White House for my provision. I'm looking to the heavenly house, the heavenly home, my God who always has his hand opened over my life and over my family. He will take care of you. Mm -hmm. Charles Spurgeon said, God who gives you heaven will not deny you your bread on the road to get there. Wow. That's powerful. 
God told the Jews, Canaan land is yours by promise. Not only did he promise the land, but he provided the nourishment, the clothing, and the shoes that would not wear out. I don't know a shoe company today that gives a 40-year warranty. But God does. Talking about worry over provision. A writer that I enjoy reading, a great speaker. His name is Craig Groeschel. He pastors a large church out in the Midwest. And he has a book that he wrote called Confessions of a Pastor. Adventures in Dropping the Pose and getting, getting Real with God. Listen to the titles of some of these chapters in the book. This is from a pastor. One chapter is called, I Can't Stand a Lot of Christians. That's awesome. Another chapter is called, I Have to Work Hard to Stay Sexually Pure. Another chapter is called, I Stink at Handling Criticism. But there's one chapter of his book that he called, I Worry Almost All of the Time. And he talks about his grandmother. He said, I had an amazing grandmother. She encouraged me. She inspired me. She helped me to think big. But he said, my grandmother taught me to worry. He said, Grandma grew up in the Great Depression. Enduring extreme poverty, not knowing where she would find her next meal. At seven years old, Craig said, Pastor Craig said that he would hear his grandmother tell stories about the horrors of people losing everything, causing some of them to jump from windows and, and, and bridges, others living under bridges. With the purest motives, she told Craig to save your money. Save your money. He says, at seven years old, those words would plant seeds of worry in my seven-year-old heart. He said, I would save every dollar, and I would hide it under the carpet. Some of Grandma's lessons benefited Craig. He said, I've never borrowed money for anything except for my home. Everything else he paid for with cash, and he attributes that to, to his grandmother. But then he said, but to this day, he admits he fights financial Anxiety. Now, this is a pastor of a very large church in the Midwest, multiple campuses. God has really blessed him. But one night, he took his daughter out for dinner. They went to a favorite restaurant, and she scanned the menu, and as she went down the menu, he noticed that she was skipping several of her favorite items. And she kept scanning until she got to the cheapest item on the menu. And then he asked her, he said, well, why didn't you order your favorite? Today is your birthday. And she replied, I was afraid we could not afford it. Now, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Fear and worry that he received from his grandmother, he had passed down to his daughter. Now, 
Now, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say some very pointed things here to some parents in the house. I believe that there's some here you've responded wrongly to financial and provisional pressures in your home. You have argued when the children should have seen you pray. You have held grudges when the kids should have seen you join hands and say, we will overcome. You, 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 you've just said no. All of us have done that. Every parent in the room has said this at one time or another. They press and they press and they press and they want a reason why. They want a reason why. And you finally just say, because I said so. All of us have said that at one time or another. But maybe, maybe when they ask for something, maybe you should have said, instead of just saying no, maybe you should have explained that this is a conservative season. But this, with the help of the Lord, we'll get through this. And, and at a later time, you can have that because God will provide. You have an opportunity. You have a door. You have a window. When you have to say no because you can't afford it, don't just say no because we can't afford it. Just say no, now is not the season, but we're going to trust God. And God not only takes care of all of our needs, but sometimes he gives us a lot of our wants. Be reminded, all of us do, that the promises of God in Him are yea and amen. We have to be reminded, all of us do, that our Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and the beasts of the forest all belong to Him. If you say He's your Father, then let Him bring you His fatherly care. You know, I'm always intrigued. Strange things intrigue me. Now you see why I'm sitting on the porch looking at hummingbirds fighting with each other. But a pause moment for me is when I'm riding down the road, a highway somewhere, and I, I look out in a cornfield and I see a scarecrow. I almost bought one yesterday. We were in Lowe's in Christiansburg, and I almost bought one of those smiley scarecrows and, to bring it to church to show you. But I always look and I say, what harm in that wheat field or in that cornfield can a scarecrow do? What, what, what can that accomplish? Nothing. But the birds don't know that. If the birds would wise up, they would realize that the, where the scarecrow is located is a tip-off to the location of the best corn. And I'm going to tell you something, worry is nothing but a scarecrow that keeps you from the best that the Father has for you and your family. We worry about ourselves. We worry about provision. Finally, we worry about tomorrow. Every one of us in the room, we're either in crisis of some sort or a crisis is just around the corner. I'm not being a prophet of doom here. I'm just telling you that's life. It's life. How many times do we fret for nothing? Situation works out. 
Do we remember that for the next inevitable crisis? Do we rehearse that? Do we go back and thank God for the miracles of provision? Flew to San Antonio a few weeks ago. My friend, Pastor Dave Metz from Bedford, he came up. We were going to ride to Charlotte together. He pulled his SUV up under the canopy. We were going to load his luggage into my Explorer, and then we were going to head off. As soon as he loaded his luggage in, we were ready to roll. All of a sudden, my Ford, I don't need no comments. My Ford died. Jeremy jumps it for us. We get over to Advance Auto. Sure enough, it just needs a new battery. Okay, well, we had built in plenty extra time, so we were good. So we drove on to Charlotte, got there, got, got everything's going good. You know, we're, we're checking in. and You know, all of that stuff we hear on the news, that certainly doesn't apply to me. They, you know how the news can be. They're just kind of blowing things out of proportion. And we fly out on Monday, and I get there on Monday, but all of my luggage decides not to arrive. I ain't figured that out. It wasn't a connecting flight. It was a direct flight. I still don't have that down pat up here as to how that happened. My friend got all his luggage. He had two or three bags. I had one suitcase. One suitcase didn't make the trip. General counsel started the next morning. I said, well, I certainly ain't going to show up in second-day old clothes looking like this. So while everybody else is showing up for General Assembly, I'm going to Walmart and buying about $40 worth of toiletries. And I'm going to Kohl's and dropping 390 bucks. I said, well, my rationale was I can buy two days worth. Of I'm talking everything, people. Everything. I'm thinking two days worth of clothes, and this is a four-day conference. I can double up if I need to, and nobody know the worse. I didn't know when this luggage was showing up. $434. The next day at midnight, another direct flight shows up with my suitcase. Well, what begins to happen? I begin to be needled and agitated. I begin to fret and worry because I've dropped 40 bucks at Walmart and dropped 390 bucks at Kohl's and really didn't need none of it. It began to needle me and agitate me. I said, well, only thing I know to do is try to get reimbursed. Got back, turned into paperwork, and this week got an email. Said, we go American Airlines. I will fly you again because they are reimbursing me completely so the Lord must have known I needed some more toiletries and another couple of outfits. And for sure, I didn't have to pay for them because American Airlines did. You know, it just happens that way sometimes. You don't understand the vehicle through which it comes, but the Scripture says don't worry about how it comes. Just praise God from whom all blessings flow. Can we do that right now? Can we just praise Him? We worry about ourselves. We worry about provision. 
And then the last thing we worry about tomorrow. Let me get back here. This is, this is important to remember, important to write down. I don't say to tweet a whole lot of stuff or post a lot of stuff, but if you're a poster, post this. The average Christian is crucifying himself between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. That is not God's will for our life. That is not God's plan for every single believer. For every single believer was promised by Jesus. I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. I've come to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. That doesn't sound like a God, a Savior, a Holy Spirit that wants you and I to always be fretting about tomorrow. That's a God that says, I want you to trust me for each and every day. I'm going to give you your daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of yourself. Take care of itself. And let me remind you, just as present as I am today in the time of your trouble. I am also in your tomorrow. I've got everything under control. Trust in me with all of your heart. There's people like this. Walter Kelly said, when I don't have anything to worry about, I begin to worry about that. The word take thought. Take thought in the Greek. Is the phrase to be drawn in different directions. Jesus is saying, do not be stretched between today and tomorrow. So what is the prescription for worry? I'm going to give you six things and I'm going to deal with them very rapidly. If you're a note taker on your phone, six antidotes. Prescription for worry. Number one, make the time to share your concerns with God. Be specific. Don't be generic. Be specific. Philippians 4, 6 says, 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto the Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for enabling American Airlines to buy me two suits of clothes and $40 worth of toiletries. I remember that you moved so that I was taken care of. And I've got this coming up. So I'm going to trust you with it. Y'all there? Number two, seek first the kingdom of God. In every circumstance, seek after God's heart and live by his priorities. Make the Lord and his work your top priority. I've told you this once. I've told you a hundred times in nearly five years. Some blessings are conditional only upon your obedience. Number three, deal with today. That, that is all today. Today only. Lord, touch my day today. Victor Hugo said, when you have accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace because God is still awake. Number four, avoid living in the past by saying, what, what if this had happened? Or if I had only done that. Yesterday is under the blood. Number five, remind yourself that 90% of what we fret over doesn't happen. I don't know about you, but that's good news. 
We get stomach ulcers over stuff that doesn't even come to pass. Number six, obey the command from Philippians to rejoice always looking to him and not your circumstances. Let me get the music team back up here. Let me share this with you in closing. It's a miraculous story, but it has a, has a little bit of a flair of humor to it, but it has such truth to it. It was May of 1995. His name was Randy Reed. He was a construction worker, 34 years old. He was welding on top of a nearly completed water tower outside of Chicago. Reed unhooked his safety gear to reach for some pipes when a metal cage slipped and bumped the scaffolding on which he stood. The scaffolding tipped, and Randy Reed lost his balance. He fell 110 feet, 10 stories, landing face down on a pile of dirt, just missing rocks and construction debris. A fellow worker called 911. When the paramedics arrived, they found Reed conscious, moving, and complaining of a sore back. Amazing. Apparently, though, the fall didn't cost Reed his sense of humor. As paramedics carried him on a backboard to the ambulance, he had one request. <laughs> Don't drop me. Doctors later said that Randy Reed came away from the accident with just a bruised lung. But here's the point. Sometimes we resemble that construction worker. God promises and protects us from harm in a 110-foot fall, but we're still nervous about three-foot heights. And here's, here's the message the message is that the God who saved us from hell and death can certainly protect us from every much smaller danger that we face. I want to be very deliberate here. Now, I've said, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I said it, Maybe there's a carefree person in the room or online and you don't have a worry in this world. I'm coming to you for counseling. Let's set it up. But I feel fairly confident that at least the majority, a large majority of people listening to this preacher this morning have something or someone that they're worried about. Now, I don't want you to move because the preacher is asking you to move. This is a, this is a you and the Holy Spirit. But I, I, as I was praying about this altar time, there's people worried over themselves, worried over provision, worried about tomorrow. This morning, as the Spirit prompts you, 
if one or all three, yourself, your needs, your tomorrows, if any of the one, two, or three, all of them apply to you, I'm going to ask you when the Spirit prompts you to do it, that you would come to this altar to release that worry into the hands of the Lord. Come on. Stand with me all over this house. Don't come unless the Spirit prompts you. If you don't have a worry, this doesn't apply to you. Go ahead, Tony. Tony.